Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. I want to share a, a scripture with you real quick, and, and, and uh, we're going to do something a little bit different today. And um, God is, is, is really just um, tugging in people's hearts here in our church, and God is really moving, and God is doing uh, something uh, really, really uh, special in, in people's lives in our church. You guys know that, right? All right. And um, I had something I wanted to share, and I wrote it down somewhere. Um, what was it? It's okay. Praise God. He's still good. All right. So, um, in Scripture, uh, for example, we see in Revelation uh, chapter 12, it talks about those that overcome. And it says that they overcome by the blood of Jesus Christ. It says by the blood of the Lamb. You've ever read that Scripture? And that's powerful because it's talking about these overcomers in Revelation chapter 12. And these overcomers overcome by the blood of Jesus Christ. They're like, well, what do you mean they overcome by the blood of Jesus Christ? And you, you think about the blood of Jesus Christ, the redemption that is found, the forgiveness that is found, the salvation that is found in the blood of Jesus Christ. And he, there's, there's, there's these overcomers, and they overcome by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. And then it says, not just by the blood of the Lamb, but also by the word of their testimony, by the word of their testimony. These overcomers, they overcome by the blood of Jesus and by the word of their testimony. In the word of their testimony, I, I believe that that is so significant. That is so important. Because in this verse, that deals with the believers that hold on to their trust in the Lord. And they hold on to their trust in the Lord unto death. Unto death, unto the end. And, and really, that's where I'm going today at some point. If the Lord allows me, I'm going to go that route. And I'm going to talk about, yes, the beginning, but very important, the end. Because we, we want to celebrate Christmas, and I'm going to repeat this a lot today if God gives me the chance, but, but Christmas is very important. But what really puts the stamp on Christ's visitation, on Christ's arrival here, this whole celebration of Christmas, is also how he ended. If there was no resurrection and no end, what weight would Christmas really have? Because it's about how we end the race, right? It's how we finish race. Not necessarily how we started. And, and, and here is in Revelation this picture of overcomers that overcome with the blood of the Lamb, but also with the word of their testimony. And it is so important because the word of their testimony means that these are individuals that trusted in the Lord until the end, until their death. And that speaks volumes. It speaks volumes to us. And that we are to keep our trust unto the end. How many of you could say amen? Our faith unto the end. Amen? Our testimony unto the end. Amen? We could build our testimony for years, but you could lose your testimony in one second. You could build the building for years, and in one second, that building can come crumbling down. So we are testimonies to the end. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. It tells us to keep our conduct honorable so that unbelievers may see our good works. Keep our conduct honorable so that unbelievers 
may see our good work. Do you see the, the, the importance of testimony? Yeah? And, and I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, in, our, in, our, in, in, in this church, in our family, we have testimonies and we have things that God has done. How many of you have a testimony of what God has done in your life? How many of you not just have a testimony of salvation, but a testimony, an ongoing testimony of the goodness of the Lord? And that's a beautiful thing. You've heard me share this here on Sundays where I say, someone says, hey, share with me your testimony. And I'm like, well, which one? Because the ones that I have with Christ are so much better than, than the ones before. Like, like, which testimony would you like to hear? Because there's so much testimony that we could give. So much testimony. And today is somewhat as a gift and it's a surprise and it's a blessing. It really is an honor. It's an honor for me. It's an honor for me. And I'm going to ask someone that I'm, I'm, I really am growing to love. And, and uh, every time I see this person, I smile and uh, I hug them. And, and there's something that God is doing in their person's life. And I'm going to ask uh, my brother to, to bless us today as the Lord has put an urge. And he's going to share a little bit of what's going on. But the Lord has put an urge in his heart to share the word of his testimony. And it's my brother, Jose Pinyong, today. Amen. Amen. Now, what's, 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 amen. <laughs> you heard him. <laughs> well, what, what's beautiful, you got it, man. What, what's beautiful about this is, this is uh, Charlene's father. And, uh, amen. Praise God. And Adrian's, right? He's, uh, he's, he's taking in Adrian. And he loves Adrian like a, like a son as well. And he's going to talk about all this. But I don't want to take, away from him, but part of this testimony is powerful. I remember the work that God started to do in his daughter's life, and we shared uh, the scripture in Malachi where we talked about, and I'm sure Charlene remembers this, where we said that this is what the Lord wants to do. He wants to bring the heart of the Father back to the children, the children back to the Father. And what you're seeing and what you're going to hear today is a beautiful picture of the gospel. It is how a relationship and a man who was broken and a family that was broken, how through the power of Jesus Christ, through the blood of the Lamb, how through his power, he's able to bring and bring it back together. And today we could say they have the best relationship that they've ever had. And it's only possible. It's only possible. It's only possible because of the work of Jesus Christ. And that is a testimony. And it needs to be spoken about. And it needs to be shared. And, and we encourage you that when you, when you leave here today, you share this message. Because there's going to be more to speak about after this. But, but share it because I believe that, that, that families and sons and daughters and fathers and mothers need to hear. Wait a minute. If God could restore and God is restoring this family, God could restore my family. God could restore me and my relationships. Amen? So we honor that. We honor the Lord in you and what God is doing in you. And feel free. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Regal. Ah, okay. Jesus is great. Most of you know me as Charlene's father and the Miami Dolphin fan. But what you don't know is I abandoned her and her sister when they were at an early age. I was a successful stockbroker. And we were doing pretty good. And then all of a sudden, I started getting into 
gambling to begin with. Um, that was the beginning of a catastrophic situation. I was only thinking about myself and sinking myself in a hole. I regretted all of this, but I was afraid. Afraid because I didn't have God, I didn't have Jesus in my life. And only to make matters worse, I became a cocaine addict. And I started drinking heavily. Why? Because I couldn't live with myself for what I had done. And I was going through this for many years. I was lucky that I was able to make it this far. But deep inside, I knew this wasn't me. I felt like I wanted to die because I abandoned her and her sister. But I somehow I said to myself, you know what? I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up because there's something inside of me that says that God loves me. So I, you know, years passed and I lost my big job because of everything I was doing. Luckily, I was able to continue with some other type of work through my licenses, life and health. But it was not good. I was, it was empty inside because of the situation that I had created. And I knew that I couldn't live the way I was living because I had an empty hole inside of me. And I said to myself, I got I to gotta fix this. But, I said, but then at the same time, I kept saying to myself, I should have done this at the beginning. Years have passed. She's not going to want to hear what I have to say. She's going to say, now you come here, get out of here. And then I was afraid of feeling worse than I already was. Well, my mother died. When my mother died, that was a wake-up call. That was a true wake-up call. It brought me to get close to God. I started to think differently. I started to think that there is, there is a God that I didn't know. And I started to pray. I began by going to a chapel near my house, and I would pray every Sunday. I would pray that God would give me the courage to go knock on that door and confront her and tell her how sorry I was. Well, it took my mom's death for me to find the strength and the courage to do what I did. And I have to tell you, little did I know Little did I know that she was also praying right here. She was praying right here. And next thing you know, I'm doing Uber as an extra job 
and I get somebody that the destination was Hialeah. It so happened that their destination was only like two blocks away from my daughter's house. That's when I said to myself, God, if this is not a signal that I got to do it now, at this moment, I don't know what is. It saved my life. She saved my life. She is my angel. Followed by my other angel, my papito Adrian, her husband, my son, because he's not my son-in-law, he's my son. So, having said that to all of you, I love you all. Those of you that know me, now you know me even better. Now you really know me. And uh, without further ado, I'd like my both, both of my angels to come up here and give me a hug, please. I need it. Thank you so much. God bless you all. And keep blessing God. so much. Thank you for taking me back. Ah, oh. oh, this feels so beautiful. <laughs> Anything to share? Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, that was a surprise. <laughs> I look like a mess. Um, wow, Dad, that's... I First of all, I didn't know he was going to come up here. That's crazy. That was a... Uh, a big surprise to me. So that was beautiful, and especially around this time. Um, so I do want to share my part of the testimony so that way you guys can know what I was going through. <sighs> so I've been in the Lord for a couple of years now, and I felt, you know, I, I honestly didn't feel like my, thankfully my family was just so caring. Um, I didn't feel like I needed anything, you know, I, I just needed God. And towards I think it was in like in December. Yeah, it was in December, like towards Christmas, which is crazy. It's right now. Um, Betsy said something that really touched me during worship. And she said in the middle of worship, I want to speak to the fatherless right now. And I don't know if you guys remember that. I mean, I obviously remember. Um, and she said, I want you to know you have a father up there and that you need to forgive. And I, I don't know what else she said, but I just remember that part. And in that moment, I, I asked God, is, is this something that you want me to, like, surrender? Like, how do I reach out to him? Like, you know, when God talks to you like that, you're like, what do I do? Like, I, it's not something that I've thought about for years. I mean, it was, I was nine years old when the last time I saw him. So I was like, out of all these years now, you're trying to minister in my heart? And I said, okay, God, I'm, you know, whatever. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> So I just, um, I just surrendered it and I asked God, like, give me the opportunity. Give me the opportunity to go ahead. I forgive him already. In my heart, I forgive him. I forgave you already. 
And I, I said, okay, God, give me that opportunity. And it's, it's so creepy because around that time, he actually told me that's when my grandma passed away. So it's so crazy how God put that in my heart when he had just lost his mom and I just lost my grandma. And I had no idea. I had no idea. Long story short, in March, that was like a couple of months after that year, after that year, is when my mom calls me. I was in TJ Maxx. And I was like shopping and my mom calls me from nowhere and she tells me, you're not going to believe this. So this was a big testimony from my mom too, by the way. And she's like, your dad just knocked on the door. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, your dad is here. And I'm like, I looked at Adrian because Adrian had already known. I told him, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is happening. And he's like, let's leave right now. It just so happens that you had dropped off somebody where? At TJ Maxx. Like, this is something I can't make up. And, um... We got back and Adrian kept asking me, what are you going to tell him? What are you going to tell him? And I just said, I'm just going to hug him. <laughs> I'm not going to tell him anything. I'm just going to hug him, hug him and tell him he's forgiven, that I love him, that I'm just happy to see him, happy to see my father. And that's exactly what happened. I just went up to him. Um, you know, he hugged me and said a lot of things. And I just said, it's okay. It's okay. You're forgiven. And I'm just happy to see you alive because I don't know where he was, what he was doing, you know, I didn't know. So Jesus is so good. He really is. Please get close to him. Thank you, sweetie. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to do this. Thank you. God bless. Hallelujah. Man. <laughs> yeah. What do you say now, right? Don't you all wish you were in my shoes. Hallelujah. You know, uh, if that is not the, um, what Christmas is all about, why Christ came, to heal, to restore all these broken pieces, amen? And uh, that's what you're witnessing, that's what you've just seen. And uh, sometimes people are like, you know, I don't know if the Lord still does miracles today. And I look at people like that in the eyes because you can't hate anyone. You just have to understand where they're at. And you just look at them. And you hear stories like this and you recognize, no, God still does miracles today. You know, you may think that greater miracles is resurrecting a dead person, making a lame man walk and making the blind see. You may think those are the greatest of miracles. But the story of Jesus with the paralytic that was break, him and his friends were breaking through the roof where Jesus was at sharing. And he looks at him and he says, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, who does this man think he is that he could forgive the sins of people? He's like, so you could believe. Rise, take up your bed and walk. It's totally contrary to what the world sees as importance. You would have said the greatest miracle is for Jesus to heal the paralytic first. And then later on said, hey, let me just finish the good work. And now you're also forgiven. You're going to go to heaven. But instead, he does the greatest miracle first. And the greatest miracle is to touch that man's heart. It's to save that man's soul. It's not to resurrect a physical body. The greatest miracle is to resurrect a spiritual body. And what you just witnessed over here was a physical manifestation of a miracle you see the lame man rise 
You see the paralytic rise. You see the relationship mended. That is the physical, that is the physical miracle. You see that? That is the man getting up from the bed. But none of that was possible until in both of their lives, everyone included, the Lord did the spiritual miracle, which was, which was to resurrect the dead man that was inside. And because of the resurrection that has happened inside of Charlene and the resurrection that has happened inside of Jose, we've seen a resurrection also touch and manifest in their outward circumstances. Amen? That is a powerful message. Don't ever take lightly the testimonies of individuals that they have in Jesus Christ. Let's give God praise one more time. He's worthy of it. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I hope you are blessed. I hope you are blessed. Amen? I'll tell you what. I have something I want to share with you, and it's going to be tied in, hopefully, to what we just saw and heard here. You know, this is a... Um, anytime circumstances happen, people ask questions about faith, you know? Um, people ask questions about... Um, you remember when 9-11 happened, if... Um, faith was asked was confronted. Jesus was confronted. The word of God was confronted. Like, why would God allow? Things like that. When, when, you know, you look at 2020, and again, Christ is confronted. The word is confronted. Why would God allow? And, and those are things that people always do. They, would, they, they always kind of do that. But, but today I have a message, and it's titled, Why Jesus? Everyone say, why Jesus? It's a question, really. The title's a question. Why Jesus? Why Jesus? You know, you, you listen to Jose come up here and, and share, and you heard Charlene share, and you saw the hug between um, Charlene, Adrian, and Jose. And you say, well, why Jesus? And, and I hope that, that a moment like that, that picture right there says, that's why Jesus. Just because of right, that, right there where you just witnessed, that's why. That's why Jesus. And, 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 I, and I believe that God is going to speak to us very simple, very over the top, very basic, but yet we forget it a lot. You know, there's so many reasons to give to the why Jesus question. So many reasons. For many, we've had, uh, we've had personal encounters with him. We've had personal encounters with his great love. How many of you have had a personal encounter with God? Like a truly personal encounter with his great love. And that's good if you have. If you remember, Paul was on the road to Damascus and he was on the way to persecute some Christians. And Paul had a tremendous encounter with Jesus Christ that transformed his life forever. If you remember, Zacchaeus, who was hanging on a sycamore tree, had an encounter with Christ and immediately his life was transformed, transformed forever. And there's story after story in Scripture of people that come in contact with Christ and instantly their lives are transformed because of his great love. And I'm sure that some of you have encountered Jesus in that way. Why Jesus? For some, it took something tragic to find Jesus. For some people, it took something tragic. Some people in 2020 are finding Jesus just because of 2020. If you remember, I mentioned 9-11 earlier, but when 9-11 happened, I don't know if you guys remember that, for those that are a little bit older and all that, um, churches were slammed the following Sunday. It is the Sunday that broke records across the world, especially across the nation. 
Churches were slammed because people had questions. And where did they run to? They ran to the church to sit under a teaching and wanted to hear the Christians and the pastors say, why would something like September 11th happen here in our country? And the churches were slammed. Some people, it takes a tragic moment. Others have to come to the end of themselves. It's something that we would call rock bottom. And maybe that's you. You, you, you had to go through rock bottom to, to come to find Jesus. Some found him by searching endlessly. Maybe it wasn't anything tragic in your life. Maybe, maybe it wasn't that you had necessarily a personal encounter like the ones that we mentioned. But maybe you just searched because there was something in you that was searching, that was searching, that you knew that there was something that was there and you needed to find an answer and you researched and you studied all kinds of stuff and you finally come to the place where you recognize that Jesus is God, that yes, this is where my faith will be at. This is where I will place my trust. Others maybe were preached to. They were shared the gospel by someone that they love, a loved one, or maybe a stranger came up to them out of nowhere and just preached the gospel and that kind of did something to you and it planted a seed or maybe it caused the tree to start to grow. But it could have been any of these things. You guys see where we're at? And all of you are somewhere in one of those, in one of these details. Maybe there's one that I'm not mentioning. Like, oh, with me it happened this way. And that's how I came to know Jesus. There are so many different stories of why one can come to this place of this is why Jesus in my life personally. This is why. You heard Jose come up here and he basically answered the question. Jose, why Jesus? And he came up here and said, why Jesus? Let me share with you the word of my testimony. And that is why Jesus. The addictions, the loss, the brokenness death, all of this, to finally come to be restored and healed and find life. That's why Jesus, and you heard that today um, with that testimony. If you study the scriptures, which you should hunger for them, and you study the person of Jesus, you'll see and you'll find that all of it points to him. All of the scripture points to Jesus. It points to him to get to get you to him, to get him to you. It points to him. It points to him to then get you to the Father. It's to mend a relationship. Remember that we were alienated. Remember that we were broken. We, the scripture says, were once what? Enemies of God. And now we're what? We are now called children of God. All of that is possible because Jesus Christ came to mend the Father's heart with the children's heart. The children's heart back with the Father's heart. And Christ, the firstborn, had to come so that many other sons and daughters can now be what? Saved and found whole before the presence of Abba, our Father. See that? Do you see how what happens in heaven happens in earth? See that picture? Jesus is not like, well, this stuff happens here. It's not going to happen over there. No, what happens here, you're going to experience it on earth. So, so he mends children with the fathers and fathers with the children. I too have had that pleasure and that experience. And it's all because, because of the mending that happened between this child and that father and that father and this child. And it started here so that that way it has an effect here. Man, that's a powerful thing. And, and all of this is to get us to the Father. And many have come to know Jesus by studying Scripture. And some people have studied the Scriptures. And, 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 and I love speaking to people like this. 
They study the scripture to try to disprove Jesus. And by trying to disprove Jesus, they actually find Jesus and recognize, wait a minute, I, he, uh, uh, he, uh, he, uh, Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. And they've come by trying to cancel Christianity and cancel the person of Christ, his deity. They've come to recognize, uh-oh, uh-oh, from a lot of studying, a lot of hours, days, years, I've come to recognize that Jesus Jesus, I found that he is Lord. Jesus, I found that he is king. All my studies led me to that. If you like to read, I would also recommend a good book with a great testimony of such. It's titled More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. And he will explain exactly how that happened to him. Trying to disprove the person of Christ, Christianity, and found him. I would also encourage you to read The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Those are two great books in which you will see how these people found Jesus while they were trying to disprove that he was even real, that he was really God. Come on, everyone say it with me. Why Jesus? How many of you seriously have an answer for that? Two of you. Sad. Okay, I'm scared. We're going to start intensive discipleship program starting now. <laughs> All right. Why Jesus? I mean, we can, we can, you know, when you, when you ask that question, we could start and really just start and finish when it comes to all the, uh, all the prophecies, you know, and all the prophecies he fulfilled. We could possibly just stop right there, but, but there's so many. And we, we, we'll, we'll be here forever to go over every single prophecy, but there's some very important ones. And I mean, he fulfilled all these prophecies, which would be impossible for any man to do. Any man to do it. Many, many uh, Jewish people have come to humble themselves and, and become messianic and break themselves before the presence of the Lord because they've recognized that, wait a minute, this Jesus, Yeshua, he actually is the one that fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies, the words of the prophets. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And they've broken and humbled themselves before him to accept him as Lord. And today they serve Jesus Christ. Many are still blinded to recognize that he is the fulfillment of all the scripture. And fulfillment of all the words of the prophets. But that alone right there could tell you why Jesus. Here's some great ones. For example, look at, all, look at some of these things. In, in, the, New Test, in, the, in the Old Testament, uh, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, it would talk about that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. In the Old Testament, specifically in Matthew chapter 1, we see that what? That Jesus was what? Born in a virgin. I mean, to the, I mean crossed what? Dotted every I and crossed every T. He would be born in Bethlehem, Micah chapter 5, 2 would say it. And in Matthew chapter 2, in the beginning in verse 1, it talks about Jesus, the Messiah, being born in Bethlehem. He would be preceded by a messenger, Isaiah chapter 40 said. In Matthew 3, who do we see? We see the messenger that preceded him, and he's fulfilling that prophecy. In Isaiah 53, he would be rejected by his own people. In John chapter 7, specifically verse 5 and in verse 48. And yes, in a lot of other scriptures, we see specifically Christ would be rejected by his own. He would be betrayed by a close friend. Psalm chapter 41 verse 9 would say in John 13, 26 through 30. What do you read in the New Testament? Exactly that. Jesus would be what? Betrayed by Judas, his very own close student, disciple. Son to him, he would betray him. His side, so detailed some of these Old Testament prophecies to the point where one of them would talk about in Zechariah chapter 12, his side would be pierced. I mean, come on, they could have gotten one wrong. One wrong, I thought it was the side, I'm sorry. 
But his side would be pierced in Zechariah 12.10. In John 19.34, the side of Christ is pierced. We talked about his crucifixion all over in Psalm 22.1, in Psalm 22.11 through 18, and all over. And in the New Testament, we see it. In the New Testament Gospels, we see it in Luke 23. We see it in John 19, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And one of the most important fulfillments of the Old Testament is not all the miracles and not all these things, some of the ones that we just mentioned, but what we see, and we see it in Psalm 1610 as well, the resurrection of the Messiah, the resurrection of Christ, and we see that in the New Testament. We see it in Acts 13 where, where, where it talks about the whole resurrection, and we see it in the Gospels, the resurrection, the Messiah would resurrect and sit at the right hand of the Father, and we could say yes and amen. That's why Jesus... That's why Jesus. There are so many great details that were fulfilled in Scripture. Not only, I mean, just look at some of these. And and there's a reason why I ended with the resurrection of Christ, because that's where I'm going today. And, and, And there's so, so much. And I just grabbed a few, like seven, eight, nine. I don't even know how much I mentioned there. But but you could go on, and it'll become a hundred, and it'll grow from there. Of key details that were fulfilled. And, and you know, Jesus, why Jesus? Not only did Jesus claim to be who he was, but he backed up his words. He backed up his words by what he did, by how he lived. He backed up his words by his miracles and the miraculous deeds that, that came from his life. He, in John chapter 2, Jesus what? Changes water into wine. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus casts out demons. And we see it in chapter 15, and we see it in the other gospels. And, in Matthew 8 and in Luke 17, he heals lepers. All over scripture, we can see it in Matthew 4 and in chapter 24 as well. In Luke 6, what? Jesus heals from many diseases. In Mark 2, we spoke about that just a little while ago. He heals the paralytic. In Matthew chapter 9 and John chapter 11, Jesus raised the dead. In Matthew chapter 9, 27 and in John chapter 9, we see that Jesus restores sight to the blind. We see in Mark chapter 7, 32 and on, Jesus is restoring, he's curing, he's making the death here again. In Matthew 14 and Matthew 15, and we see it throughout the Gospels, what is Jesus doing? He's feeding the multitude, not just with drive through and because he has an excess amount of food, but he grabs a little bit, like one of the most five loaves and, uh, and two fish, and he feeds over, we know for sure, over 5,000 people. He is feeding multitudes with a little bit. He does a lot. In Matthew 14, Jesus walks on water. Come on, if you've been Christian long enough, you've been in prayer, and you say, come on, God, let me just do it one time. Okay, I'm the only crazy person that has gone to a pool and said, Lord, I just want to experience it. I just want, and it never hasn't worked yet. Every time I've gone down. How many of you have done that? You got to the beach and you're like, I just want to go. I want to freak out my family. Just one time, God. One time. I want my son to see that his dad I can walk on water. Nobody? All right, I'm weird. I like to be weird. My wife tells me I'm weird all the time. So I'm okay with being weird. Amen? Jesus, amen. All the weird people scream, Amen. Jesus walks on water. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus comes a storm. Mark chapter 4, he comes a storm. Guess what he comes a storm with? Not a radar, Doppler, not, doesn't throw chemicals into the air. He says what? Be still. With one word, one command, the waves are like, what? The wind is like, what? Everything is under his authority. 
Jesus rose from the dead. Luke chapter 24, John 20 talks about it. Jesus appears to his disciples after his resurrection to tell you it's not a hoax. I really am him. Come and touch me. Put your finger on my side where I was pierced and you'll see there's a hole there. It's really me. I resurrected. It's a beautiful thing. We see that in John 20. All these things and there's so much more. I mean, come on, I just mentioned some. And you were like, some? That's enough of why Jesus you, must, you mentioned more than enough. And we're not even going into the scripture. We're not even studying the scripture. We'll, we'll be here for, for years, really. But this is why Jesus, all these things, and so much more is enough to say why Jesus. Well, here's why. But I, this is, I guess, where I really want to get to today, even though all of that is enough. Another reason why Jesus is because of this. I love how Jesus started. How many of you love how Jesus started? I love how Jesus started. Not only do I love how Jesus started, I also love how he ended. You might be like, well, he hasn't ended yet. Right, right, but you know what I mean. I'm talking about like the earthly carnal ministry of how he ended. Uh, he's still working. And you, you know that he's still coming back to reign, right? Oh, I wasn't sure if you guys knew. They're preparing the horse from what I hear. They're giving it its baths. They're, the horse, the white horse looks beautiful. They say its mane is, be is, is better than ever. The horse is growing strong. The horse is almost ready to break through the clouds. <laughs> All right. He's coming. He's not done. So I can't say he ended because really he is beginning an end and the end is continuing. Like, but you guys know what I mean when I say end. Because I don't think and I don't want to preach a doctrine to tell you that the work of Christ has ended. That's, that's a whole other topic. That's not what I'm saying by that. It's continuing. But I love how he starts and we see how that ministry, how it ends. And, I'll, and, I'll, and you'll know what I'm talking about, obviously, once I get into it. In Luke chapter 1, look at some of the beginning. Everyone say, in the beginning. In the beginning. Right, in the beginning. In Luke chapter 1, verse 30, I'll start from there and I'll stop at 35. I'll skip a few verses. It says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. This is a very popular scripture in Christmas time, right? And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name. Guess what his name is? Yeah, in our Western Christianity, English, it's Jesus. Jesus. His name shall be Jesus. That's what we've grown to call him here. And he says, he will be great, and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Imagine a young girl named Mary. This Mary, this, and she's like, whoa, that's a lot to take in right now. David's kingdom is coming back? What's up with Caesar? What's up with Rome? Like, how is that going to happen? Just a lot to take in. You have to remember the context of all this stuff. Verse 35, oh, sorry, 33. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, over all of Israel, over all the Jewish people. And his kingdom, there will be no end. I told you there's no end. You see what I'm saying? His kingdom, there will be no end. It's a constant fulfillment in his kingdom. It's a constant ongoing. I'm going to be so bored when I get to his kingdom. Uh, no, you're not. It's without an end. There's, uh, listen, you only know what the scripture says. And trust me, what the scripture says when I read it is enough for me. Because I don't even understand that stuff when I read it. And I'm just wowed by it. I could just picture like, whoa, what's that stuff? And imagine, that's just what is written. Imagine the stuff that are not written about the things we're going to see and encounter and gonna go on for billions of years. Because over there in the kingdom, there is no such thing as years and time, billions and all that. There's not going to be counting numbers. 
It's an ongoing, it's an eternal thing. It's a going and going and going and going. It's greater than the Energizer Bunny. It just keeps going. It's, just, it's an ongoing, eternal reign. And it's an ongoing thing. And it says in verse 35, The Holy Spirit, he tells Mary, the Gabriel, the angel, He's going to come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Guys, if this thing is not humbling, like if I was Mary, I'd be like, I can't breathe. This is overwhelming. This is too much for me to take in. The Holy Spirit will conceive in you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, the Holy One, look what he's calling Yeshua. Look what he's calling Jesus. Who is to be born will be called the Son of God. The Son of God. From, from, from his mother's womb, Jesus was what? You should write this down. From the womb of Mary, from his mother's womb, womb, Jesus was already making a mark. Jesus was already impacting the world. Jesus was already impacting people. I mean, from the announcement to Mary, her life was being transformed because Jesus is coming in. Move some furniture around, baby. Jesus is coming. She had to change you guys think I'm joking. She had to move some furniture around. She's about to get married. She's betrothed. She's engaged. How's she going to tell her husband to be like, hey, I know this is hard to believe, but when you were, you know, you haven't seen you for a little bit, and, um, God's mighty angel, Gabriel, he came to me. Please just sit down. Just sit down. Have you eaten yet? This is going to take a while. And he told me that I'm favored among all the women here. And he loves me a lot. God loves me. How can I say this to you? What is it, Mary? What is it? Just say it already. I'm pregnant. Can you imagine that furniture was moved around? Things like, what do I do now? What do you mean you're Mary? Who was it? Who is he? Show me. Uh, let me go. I need to go to that guy. You can't really go to him. <laughs> I mean, you could, but <laughs> it's hard to explain Like. The Holy Spirit came and did this thing and he got me pregnant. And now I'm carrying, I know this is hard to understand, but he's called the Holy One, Yeshua. It's, 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 um, I know he's going to be like your son, but it's really the Son of God. You are in charge to be the Father of God the Father's Son, okay? Like, he's going to go visit you, he told me in a little, in a couple of days. So, can you imagine that? And I'm just making it funny, but you don't think stuff like that happened? You don't think the neighborhood people are like, mm -hmm. Mary, Mary, did you? Like, like, Mary's been around. Joseph, you're still going to marry her. And if you, you know, it's a lot to take in. And it speaks a lot of Joseph's heart. It speaks about the integrity that Joseph had. We always talk about Mary, 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 Mary. But I want to honor Joseph for a moment, man. And say, man, Joseph was pretty good too. Joseph stuck it through. Joseph said, I love you anyways. I got the same vision from the angel. Let's do this. I got your back. We're going to make this thing work. And you know, there was some issues with the law too. Joseph couldn't just, it wasn't that easy if he divorced her. Uh, I just learned this, you know, from the, from the law, the Jewish law, that um, it would be impossible. Then later on, if, oh, my God, I messed up. It really was God to bring her in again to be his wife, according to the Jewish law. So he knew, wait a minute, this is a big decision. Because if I go in with a divorce, according to the law, that we're bound by, according to this law, that I can't ask her to be my wife again. So um, what do I do, God? You better. And the guy's like, I got you. Gabriel, go talk to him because he's got to make a big decision. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to stick with you. 
Like this is moving furniture. Jesus is coming from the mother's womb. How many of you could see that Jesus is already impacting people? Jesus is already creating miracles. Jesus is already doing things. In Luke chapter 1 verse 41, it says this. Go to your cousin's house. I got a surprise for you over there. <laughs> that old woman. That old lady. Elizabeth. Yeah. Your vieja cousin. She's pregnant too. This stuff is crazy. The gospel is awesome. You read that and you're like, how in the world did my cousin who is old and how is she pregnant too? And she's pregnant with John the Baptist. So he goes now and as he goes to, she goes, he goes too. Jesus goes, you know. As, as Mary makes it to Elizabeth's house, in chapter 1, verse 41, um, something special happens here. And it says, and it happened. And it happened. Now, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That messes up people's doctrine. Because you're like, well, you know, you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit until after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well... She's filled with the Holy Spirit. And the gift of the Holy Spirit wasn't given yet. <laughs> we can have that conversation in the side parking lot. The third parking lot to the left after church. <laughs> but this is an amazing scripture. Elizabeth. Mary walks in. She's like, Ellie, I heard you were praying. Inside, John the Baptist shakes inside of her. And she's filled with the... Can you imagine? I don't know. Start speaking in tongues. I don't know what happens to her. But she's filled with the Holy Spirit right there before the presence of Jesus in the womb. And I believe that there is life inside the womb. That scripture right there backs up a lot of what's happening today. There's life inside that womb. When Jesus was born, a host of angels was, were seen by the shepherds in their fields and spoke to them. And they're like, whoa, you're just in the field with your shepherds. And out of nowhere, this angel comes and it says that the glory shone around the angel. And the angel's like, whoa, 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 what's happening? Like heaven came down. He's like, whoa, holding on to the staff and the sheep. Are blah, and he's like, what is this? And he's like, get up, get up, get up, get up right now. Get up, get up. I'm taking you. The Messiah is born. Shepherd, go and do what you have to do. I mean, this is crazy. In Luke chapter 2, verse 20, the result of such a visit, it says, they made their way after the angel, and then there was a multitude of angels. Did you, did you know that after the one angel came and spoke to the shepherds, and he kind of like just went to the background, then out of nowhere, multitude of angels showed up? And what did they do? They all began to sing. Can you imagine being the shepherds in the field, which if you went to Israel with us um, a couple years ago, we stood in the exact same field and most likely the same cave that those angels kind of moved around. We went to the shepherd's field, and somewhere in that field, they looked and all around them were these angelic beings. And they were all, that's Amazon. Bezos, Bezos, there it is. All right. Let's pray over Jeff Bezos right now. Lord, I pray for that man right now. Lord, he's making billions. He's the richest man alive. But I pray, Lord God, that you will show him without you, he's the poorest man. 
Lord God, that you would save him. Lord God, I get it, Lord, that he's he's building rockets, Lord, and he's going to outer space, Lord, and he's probably thinking that he's a God, but let Jeff Bezos know that there is one true God. Let him fall to his knees and let him confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and let him come to know that Jesus reigns and that through his salvation, through his testimony, it will rock the earth for the gospel and for the kingdom of Jesus. We pray salvation over his life right now. In Jesus' name, this church says... We felt it to pray for Jeff Bezos today. Amen. Never know what you're going to get here at Nest Church. We might just pray for Trump right now. And then right when we're done with Trump, we'll go into Biden. Because we're purple here. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where was I? So the angels, they made their way to find, uh, after they spoke, <sighs> these shepherds went to find Mary, Joseph, and they found Jesus. And what was the result of that? Verse 20, chapter 2 of Luke says, Then the shepherds returned. After meeting this baby, Jesus, and look how, look at the impact that Jesus makes on them. It says that they returned, and they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. How do you get so impacted that your life is transformed? Oh, I wanted to read another scripture. I thought about this during worship, and I can't believe I almost forgot him. How about Simeon? In Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read verse 25. It says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. So he came by the Spirit to the temple, and when the parents brought in uh, the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. Look what he says. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, which means unbelievers, and the glory of your people Israel. And it says in verse 33, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him <sighs> powerful things were happening and then we know the story of the wise men as well the wise men when they make their way towards Jesus I'm just going to read one section of it in Matthew chapter 2 verse 10 11 says when they saw the star they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy and when they'd come into the house they saw the young child He's no longer a baby. He's now a toddler. He's running around. And they see the young child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down. Look at this. Who worships about a two-year-old? A two-year-old. They bow down and they worship the two-year-old. A toddler. A two-year-old. They worship him. They worship him. They fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to Jesus of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. How many of you could say the beginning of Jesus' life was already impacting the world in a very powerful, unique way? Have you noticed? 
Have you noticed he hasn't started his so-called earthly ministry yet? That's improper language. He started his earthly ministry. Yeah, he's not 30 yet, but he started his earthly ministry from the womb. The ministry of Jesus had already started. So beautiful. Listen to all these things, and then it becomes obvious. Oh, that's why Jesus. From the very womb, he's impacting others. As a baby, he's impacting others. As a toddler, he's impacting others. And then as a young teenager, he's impacting others. I mean, his life does not stop impacting. At 12 years old, they go visit, as it was custom for the Jews. They go to the temple, and as they're waking their way back home, Mary's like, Joe, where's Jesus? Like, ah, you know him. He's 12 years old now, Mary. He likes to, like, hang out in the cousins with the other chariot. I'm sure he's there. They stop the chariots. They go to the other chariots. Hey, is Jesus with you guys? You know, he's 12 years old. They're not really that going crazy yet. I haven't seen him. The aunt and the uncle and the family, the grandparents, no one has seen Jesus. Now it becomes a big issue. Uh Uh-oh, we lost him. We know the story in Luke chapter 2, verse 46. They go back to the temple. What is Jesus doing? Mom, where have you been for three days? Right here. I haven't moved. I have not moved. I'm in the same clothes. I'm still here. For three days, 12 years old, what is Jesus doing? Luke chapter 2, he's sitting with the teachers in the temple. It says that all who heard Jesus, all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and at his answers. How old? He's 12. At two years old, he had these astrologers bow down, worship him, and give him gifts. At two years old, that's a good resume, all right? At 12 years old, he's wowing the wowers in the temple. I mean, this is amazing, this Jesus When Jesus started his ministry, now let's go to his adult years. We went to the womb, we went to his infancy, we went to his toddlership, we went to his um, teenager's life, uh, teenagership, and then now we're in the adult years. And he starts his ministry around 30 years old, somewhere around that range. And and, and though we can't say really he started his ministry, we saw already that it already started. There was a problem. He's at a wedding feast with some of his boys, some of his buddies, some of his followers. And as he's there, he's like, ah, we don't have any more wine and it's important. There needs to be wine. It's one of the last days. And what does he do? Go grab those six water pots, fill them with water, take it to the wedding planner and watch what I do. And immediately water is turned to the best wine ever served. And that is so deep right there because he's talking about the new wine has arrived. I am that everyone should drink from. You have to love how Jesus starts. How many of you love how Jesus starts? Again, I just mentioned a few things. But Jesus starts well. How many of you have started well? Man, you've been on fire for God. You've read a scripture. You've done your own studies. Hey, you've come up here and you've even shared a little something every once in a while. You've gone home, you've preached to some family members, you've did a little Bible study. You've done good, you started well. Amen, praise God, keep going. You started well. You have a story about how you started? Jose has a story about how he started, he just shared it today. Amen, you started well. I'm interested that you started well, brother. But I'm more interested that you end better, that you end well. Because it's good that you started well. But what's going to give weight to his start is that at the end, there's still the same story. His trust was still in Jesus. I love that Jesus starts well. Why Jesus? Well, we see from the beginning why Jesus, there's something that's obvious that he is Christ, he's God. 
He's Messiah. He's Lord. It's so important to see how someone starts. I like to look at people. I like to look at people's actions. I like to hear people's words. I like to see people's reactions. Because why? It kind of shows you a little bit about where they're at, what they're doing, what's going on. It's so important to see someone and kind of look at them and you see the passion that they have. When someone starts, you see the passion that they have. When someone starts, you see the desire they have to learn, to search. When someone starts, you see the decisions that they start to make in their lives. They move furniture around, the forgiveness that comes from them because of what the Lord is doing. When someone starts, you start forgiving people and you start forgiving yourself. You start forgiving others. And it's a beautiful thing and it should never stop. But it's beautiful to see how someone starts. But again, more important than how you start is always how you finish. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We could talk about Christmas and how it all started. But there is no Christmas if there is no resurrection. There is no Christmas if we don't spend a moment celebrating the day that we would call Easter. Resurrection Day is so important and gives a stamp to Christmas. Amen? Jesus didn't just start well, begin to do great things and so on. He carried himself his obedience, his trust, everyone say this, all the way to the end. Say that. Yeah. See, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. We shared that in Revelations when we started up before the testimony was shared. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. But I wrote this down. Please join me with this here and listen to this. Have you considered this? That the only reason that we have, the, we have a word of testimony or are covered by the blood of the Lamb, by Christ's blood, is because he first overcame by the word of his testimony. He overcame by the word of his testimony. Not only do we have a word of testimony, but our word of testimony is in the word of testimony of Jesus Christ. Our testimony points to Jesus. Our testimony is the testimony of Jesus. Why Jesus? We've spoken about this. This is the start. This is the Christmas but his end, his end, his end gives greater weight, greater power to his whole life. This resurrection, just at the cross alone. Let's go to the end. Everyone say the end. Yeah. With that, I will end soon. See how I do that? I talk about the end and then I'll close it up. But, but the end, <laughs> at the end, he's, he's doing something. And just at the cross alone, he, Jesus, is doing great things. At the, like we, we really just went all the way to the end. We just say, ah, let's just forget everything else. Let's go to the end, to the cross. And in the cross, he's doing great things. He speaks to Mary and John. He does something beautiful there with Mary and John, if you know the significance of what that conversation was about. Jesus speaks seven powerful statements on that cross at the end that are very important. That's all he said, seven statements that are very important. But one of them is this, and I love this encounter at the end. At the end of Jesus' life, please listen to this. Luke chapter 23, verse 39 says this. Then one of the criminals who was hanged blasphemed him and said, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man's pointing to Jesus. Well, not pointing, he's hanging, but this man... Jesus, okay, Jesus has done nothing wrong, has done nothing wrong. And then, and then this man looks at him and says, Jesus, Yeshua. I wish I knew the whole way of really saying it in its term because that would have sounded awesome. But he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And Jesus on the cross right next to him looks at him and says, Oh, surely I say to you that today you will be with me in paradise. At the end of his life. I mean, at the beginning, there's crazy things. I mean, we just spent 20 minutes talking about the beginning. But at the end, just this one statement is so powerful. What is he doing at the cross? Come on, what is he doing at the cross? Let's keep it very simple. Don't get so theological. Very simple. The basis over the top answer. What is Jesus doing on the cross? Go. I think one of you said it right. He's saving the world. He's reaching the masses. Through my death, many will be saved. Amen? Jesus is saving the world. At the end, he is saving all of mankind of their sins. Of their separation. He's uniting man to God. He's, he's healing man's separation and, and what they've done because of sin. But what else is Jesus doing in the text? He's also making it personal to this one man next to him. Only Jesus could do something where the whole world gets affected. And yet to this man it becomes personal. It's mind-blowing the way Jesus does things. I'm saving the world, but today you'll be with me in paradise. Like, it's mind-blowing to make something so personal. But yet from him, millions of others have come and walked into the kingdom of heaven. I'm hoping it's millions of others. He's showing that salvation is for all and spreads throughout all. But also, it's personal to each one of us. Each one of us can talk about the salvation message as a whole, as it is, as it is vague and huge and great in its splendor. But then each one of us could speak of it from a personal way, where we could say, I was the criminal that was hanging on the cross with him. And he looked at me, and he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. How many of you can speak of salvation like this? But you could also speak of it from a personal way. Because he made it personal to you. Why Jesus? That's why. So many reasons why Jesus during this Christmas season. In Matthew chapter 26, so much happened in the garden. He's about to be arrested. Moments away from being tortured. That would eventually lead him to the cross that we just spoke about. And what does Jesus do? What would you do knowing, knowing... People always say this, oh, what was, if you could, if you knew one thing, what would, I wish I knew the day I die. Why are you crazy? Do you know how much that's going to torment you if you knew the day that you were going to die? I, I, I wish I just knew the day I die. Jesus knew the day he was going to die. <laughs> Have you thought about that ever? This man is walking and he knew, okay, I got 413 days. Okay, I got, he was, it's like a, he, he had it on a clock. He knew it because when he was speaking to his followers, he's like, soon, soon we're going to head to Jerusalem, right? Why? Because I, I need to be, the son of man needs to be betrayed and crucified, you know. All that. He knew it. He knew it to the T. I mean, he knew every detail of it. And knowing what he was about to endure, knowing everything in the garden, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, his prayers are as such. Ready? Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Eh? Mm. Don't stop there. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Oh, Jesus' end is beautiful. Jesus' end is beautiful. Because at the end, 
He's magnifying the will of the Father over his life. Hey, listen, I'm glad you all have a start. But I'm more concerned if you all are in it to the finish. I'm glad we all have a start. But our concern is, are you going to end well? Are you going to finish well? Are you going to make it to the end? Matthew chapter 26, we could talk about that one. Verse 51, it says, And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. If I was Jesus, I would be like, Peter. When the guys would have come, I would have looked at some of you guys. You guys got your guns on you, right? You got the gun. You got the gun. But Jesus is not like us. And we got to be more like Jesus. We got to be more like Jesus. He doesn't give Peter the thumbs up. Good job. You cut his ear off. You missed his neck. But at least you got the ear. Because you know I preach this before here. I don't want to be so redundant. But he swung at the neck. The guy ducked. And because he ducked, he hit the ear. Peter didn't go like that to his ear. He swung to decapitate him. The guy ducked, and when he ducked, it hit his ear, and that's why he missed his ear. There's no way that the disciple just went like that to his ear. Impossible. (laughs) The end of Jesus is beautiful. Watch this. He stretched out his hand, he drew his sword, and he struck the servant of the high priest, cut off his ear, and Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place. Put your gun away. Put your knife away. It's weird. I'm standing up here, and I'm... And I have, you know, it's just like, put it's away. But, you know, I'm a father and we're cutting toys always. How many of you are fathers? And, you know, it's, it's weird. It's crazy. You always have to, Dad, I need you to open. Okay. And you just get used to carrying the knife. Put your sword in its place. For all who take the sword will perish. Verse 53. Or do you think that I cannot, pray? oh, man. Or do you think that I cannot, pray? guys, uh, Jesus the man who's, ah, my ears. <laughs> and Jesus is like, I'm going to make this a teachable moment. Not right now. Blood's gushing. The, the, the sword's full of blood. He's like, I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to. And what does Jesus say? Do you not think I cannot now pray to my father? Look at this. And he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels. How do you think that made the striker of the ear feel? Forgive me for my sins. I didn't even think about that, that you're God. How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that this must happen? You, when you read that, what do you get? It's bigger than an ear being cut off. What, what, what do you get? I mean, do you know the end of that story? He, gra- he grabs the ear and he puts it back and he, and he heals the man. I wonder if that man with the healed ear goes back and just like, nah, 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 nah. I'm going to their next Bible study. Jesus is real. That guy just healed my... That, you think that man went back normal? I doubt it. But what do we read here when you read Matthew 26? What you read is what? That Jesus is faithful to the end. So faithful that he's willing to what? To heal the ear of a man that was in front of him to arrest him. Not to kill him. Not to get even. Not to strike back. Not to spit at him but to love him and put what was broken back into place. Why? Because his end was just as powerful as his beginning. 
He was good to the end. How many of you can say, I'm good to the end? He puts the man's ear back. He's healed. Why, Jesus? This is why. Because there is no other. Worship team, make your way up. Because there is no other. So here's my ending statements before I just fly through some scriptures just to close off in prayer. And I'm going to ask you this very seriously. As I, we all have to ask ourselves this. Does our lives resemble Jesus? Does your life resemble Jesus? How about if I ask it this way? Is your high aim, is your high aim, is it Jesus always? Where you at? Where you at? Is your high aim always Jesus? Christmas is about his visitations to us. And I said this already, not just thousands of years ago, but each day. Their visitations, like what Jose just testified of, that are happening every day in our lives. But what's beautiful is we don't just start. We don't just start. The question is, how's it going? How will it end? Because you're not called, you're not called to live incom- leave incomplete that which you started. You're called to finish. Because Jesus, the scripture says, and I'm going to read it now, that he is faithful to complete what he has started. You are faithful. You are faithful. You are faithful to complete what you started. How many of you can say amen? So we know Paul's final words to Timothy. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we close off. And Paul's final words to Timothy are, are this, is this. And then I'm going to go to John. Then I'm going to read one verse in Ecclesiastes and one in Philippians. And we are done. Paul's final words to Timothy in chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have what? Finished the race. I have remained unfaithful. I remained faithful. I remained faithful to the end. And now the prize awaits me. Look at the prize. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. The prize is not just for me, but it's for all. It's not just for me, church. It's for all of you who eagerly look forward to his appearance. I have an ending. I finished the race and I've remained faithful. My ending is good. Amen. Why Jesus? Because it's to the end. Look in John chapter 4 verse 34. Jesus speaking says to them as he breaks his bread. He says my food nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. To the end Jesus is saying my, my nourishment my food is to finish well. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 8 says the end of a thing is better than the beginning the end of a thing is better than its beginning the new living says it finishing is better than starting the patient in spirit is better than the proud of spirit he says right after that in that verse in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 he says being confident in this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day 
of Jesus Christ. How many of you could say amen? We say, why Jesus? Why Jesus? Because you know why? He's, he's shown and proven and given himself to me. And the answer to that is because there is no other. And you know what? This is not just about the beginning. This is not just about the start. This is also about the end. This is about how we're going to finish well. Finish for the kingdom of God. Finish well for the sake of the gospel in our lives. Finish well for the sake of the testimony of the person of Jesus Christ. Finish well for the sake of those who will follow and pick up the, the legacy. Why Jesus? Because at the end of it all, He is my beginning. And He is my end. And He is everything else in between. Jesus is all. This Christmas season, as you are there and you meditate within your heart, the question of why Jesus, I, I hope you have an answer for that as we've gone over some of this today. He's proven, He's shown, and He's revealed. And He's encountered me in ways like never before, like no one can. And because of that, my life is humbled and broken and will serve Him for the rest of my days. How many of you could just give Him praise? Honor is worthy. Amen. I want you to do this right now as your eyes are closed and maybe you're watching us online. If you need to just come to the place of you're saying, Jesus, I need to surrender myself fully to you. Today I know the answer to why Jesus. Today I need to humble myself before your presence. Today I need to ask for forgiveness. Right there where you're standing, if you're at home, just raise your hand. But if you're here right now and you just know you need Jesus. And that's why you've come to that place of knowing that answer. I want you right there where you're standing just to raise up your, your arms and lift up your heart and open up your mind. and Just stretch out your hands as a sign of surrenderance to the Lord. And as you stretch out your hands, say, Lord, as my arms are lifted high, as my heart is open, just start praying right there. If you're good and you don't have to raise your hand, just pray. Saturate this place and these people that are lifting up their hands in prayer. Lord, as I lift my arms in surrender and as my heart is open and my mind is open to you, as my spirit is open to you, Lord, I ask you for forgiveness of all my sins. I ask you to wash me and cleanse me of all things in my life that do not please you. I pray, Lord God, that you would wash me and forgive me and love me and honor and just pour your grace over me. I humble myself before you, a broken man, a broken woman, because I know I am one of many sins. And I know you are one that came to restore. Restore what has fallen. Restore what has been broken. Restore what has been hurt. Restore what, what, what to me seems unforgivable. You can forgive and love. And Lord, during this season and during this time, I come to the place to answer, I know why, Jesus, because he, you, Lord, you are my Lord and you are my King. You are Messiah. You are Savior. You sit at the right hand of the Father and at the same time, you sit in the throne of my heart. 
and I accept you and I love you as my Lord and as my Savior and over you, Lord. I say yes and so be it. I say yes, yes and amen. Come on, give God some praise. So worthy.